Chapter 9 Highs, Lows and Twins Warmth brushed Kiana's face. Her eyes snapped open, her heart battering her chest. It took three gulping breaths to realise she was awake, that she was okay, that she was still in a juddering wooden carriage. Loosing a long breath, she stared at the ceiling, blinking away the lingering temptation of sleep. She was exhausted, but she didn't want to fall back into her dream. For three nights they'd travelled, and for three nights her sleep had been plagued by the same nightmare. She couldn't bear to see Nan again, blood dribbling from a blade in her throat. Shuddering, Kiana turned her head to the small window. It was the one thing that had brought her comfort on this cold, hard journey. Immediately, her heart's panicked beat shifted to awe for a new world stretched before her, even from her low vantage point. The sun peaked over impossibly large mountains, green and severe, the building light-washed snow-pocked fields of magenta flowers with morning. Since leaving Celestia, their carriage had stuck to old trails through a thick forest, undeterred by Tannis's grumbling about highwaymen, stopping only for brief interludes to eat or to relieve themselves. They hadn't passed any of the smaller cities or towns that made up the Christmas she knew from her maps, not even a single village. Though the carriage wasn't comfortable, Kiana had to be coaxed from it each time. Cold enough inside, it was freezing out. She'd stared at the bare trees and their clawing branches, and her wonder at seeing something new began to twist and turn as they clawed into her nightmares to join Nan. She'd almost longed for Highwaymen, to be reminded that life existed outside city walls. Was this all of Christmas? Endless dead trees that shifted in the shadows? Now, some of her misery retreated. She'd been wrong to fear. To see better, she tried to wipe the tiredness from her eyes. She whimpered, her arm barely lifting an inch before the pain was too much, and putting weight on her knees to sit up was out of the question. The wooden bench, with its thin feather cushion, wouldn't have been a forgiving bed for anybody, but it had been close to torture for her. Combined with the cold and the damage done by their flight over the rooftops of Celestia, she could barely bend her arms and legs. Gritting her teeth, she shuffled, aiming to twist her body around like a plank while somehow holding on to her blankets. Placing one hand beneath her, she pushed up. But her elbow gave way. With pain lancing up her shoulder, she dropped back onto the bench. She heard a puff of breath, and Kiana looked across the carriage. Her sister lay curled with her back turned, seeming to sleep, but Tannis was a light sleeper at the best of times, and Kiana knew her sister heard everything. That meant she was still furious, otherwise she'd be across to help in an instant. A hand settled on Kiana's shoulder, and she jumped, stunned to find Gwyneth at her side. The woman had moved silently, ready to help without a word. Kiana flushed wanting to protest that she could do it herself, but keeping her mouth shut because she couldn't. 
The sudden tension in her shoulders, as Gwyneth heaved her into a sitting position and tucked the blankets back around her, only made the pain worse. But she braced herself anyway. Would the questions come now? Why are you so weak? Why can't you look after yourself? Gwyneth said nothing. She returned to the other end of the bench, folded her hands in her lap, and looked out the window. Massaging her elbows, Kiana wished the pain away, as if wishing had ever done her any good. For a while, her gaze darted warily between Gwyneth and the view, but still Gwyneth kept silent. Slowly, Kiana relaxed. The mountains within view of Celestia were grey and barren, even in summer. The peaks here were much the same, though taller and more splintered, the jagged edges highlighted by the glint of fresh snow. But beneath the snow, travelling down to the foot of the mountains, Kiana saw flashes of green and orange, a promise of life still living, waiting to flourish when winter passed. Are these the stone drums? Do you know much of them? Kiana felt a nugget of warmth within her that had nothing to do with the sun. She might be weak in body, but she'd spent years losing herself in knowledge. They form the southern border between Christnos and the Union, she said, a little breathless at the thought of being so close, with just the one pass cutting through them, carved out by the witches long ago. There are other trails, but they're impassable almost all year round. The mountain border is tightly patrolled, and you can only cross legally with a document approved by the Guardian. Many people, bleeders mostly, try to cross regardless. They either die in the process or get caught. Beyond the drums? Well, there aren't many books about the world of error beyond these lands. The Guardian had them all burned. She trailed off, suddenly self-conscious. Well done, said Gwyneth, and Kiana flushed within her blanket pile. The drums are less frigid than your Celestian peaks, but it is not just the cold that kills. It is the sheer gradient of the rock and the landmass that the drums cover is insurmountable. They would take weeks to traverse, even if you could climb them. Kiana's heart thrummed. They were majestic. What you did not mention, Gwyneth continued, is that there used to be two more roads. The three were spread across even intervals designed by the stone splitter to enhance relations between these lands and the nations beyond. The stone splitter. The witch that cleaved mountains. Why is there only one now? The Guardian destroyed the other two. How? She used explosives first, then labour camps. Many died doing the work, but she did not stop sending more to the camps until the job was done. Kiana looked back at the drums, her stomach sinking. They seemed untouchable, yet the Guardian's shroud of death hung here too. Look, Gwyneth pointed out her window, over the rise. Tentatively at first, and then quickly when she realised the worst of the pain and stiffness had passed, Kiana shuffled along the bench, dragging the blankets with her. She peered over Gwyneth's shoulder. The carriage crested the rise, and Kiana gasped again. Snow-flecked fields fell away, rolling down towards an estate set against the calm winter sea. For now, it was half in the shadow of the looming drums, 
but with every second the rising sun pulled back the curtain of shade. Winter in Celestial was grey, splashed only with the hazy yellow of gas lamps. The street on which Kiana lived was mirrored, ordered, matching. Lord Ollinger's estate had been built without a plan, without any symmetry. At its heart sat a building of three floors, its walls burnt orange brick, and its windows round and stained with colour. Outside the heart sprouted annexes and towers and ice-laden balconies, above, beside, and across from one another. It looked beautiful now, and Kiana ached imagining it in summer, when the trees weren't bare and the courtyards weren't lost beneath snow. His lordship will have reached the estate by now and must attend to some urgent duties. When we arrive, I will show you to your room and ensure you have all that you need to get settled. At that, Tannis rolled over and cracked an eye open. Room? Singular? Kiana pressed her lips together, keeping her eyes on the estate. That was what roused her sister? Gwyneth hadn't yet been intimidated by Tannis's surliness. She didn't even blink. When we travelled to Celestia, our expectations were that we would return with just one person. For this morning, you have one room. We will prepare another. Oh, well, Tannis muttered, shoving herself up and staring resolutely at her boots. I wouldn't want to put his lordship to any trouble. Kiana rolled her eyes. Of course, Tannis had an ever-growing list of reasons to be miserable. One such reason was that they hadn't seen Lord Ollinger, or Griffin for that matter, since leaving the city. Their carriages hadn't stopped in the same place. Not once had anybody other than Gwyneth or their driver appeared to express concern for their well-being, or to apologise for Lord Ollinger's absence. Kiana was glad. Avoiding Griffin meant avoiding remembering how that soldier had died, at least while she was awake and she didn't really want Lord Ollinger to see her in her current state either. Tannis felt differently, only she was too proud to admit that she was too vain to not be bothered by it. She was so proud that she stuck to her seat, refusing to look out the windows, even as the carriage rolled through open gates welcoming them to the estate proper. As much as Kiana felt her fair share of guilt for all that had happened, Tannis was being an idiot. So she ignored her and pressed closer to Gwyneth's side. It was early and horribly cold, but as they rolled through the grounds, Kiana realised the estate was more than awake. There were people everywhere she looked. One man shovelled snow near the walls, not even looking up at their passage. Two women, with buckets on their hips, stopped chatting to stare as the carriage trundled by. A small girl, followed close by a dog, ran alongside them for a while until a laughing voice called her away. So many people already, and Kiana shrunk back. She shot a look at Tannis, knowing her sister would hate this. And yes, her sister's jaw was tight and her eyes were blazing. But Kiana swallowed the flash of panic, forcing herself back to the window. These were Lord Ollinger's people, and he wanted to help bleeders like Tannis. This estate wouldn't be Celestia where the sisters were both hiding one way or another. If Lord Ollinger trusted these people, then that meant she could too. The carriage slowed, turning so her window faced the heart of the estate. 
Two wide stone staircases curled around and up to what Kiana assumed was the main entrance. The tall doors were open, teasing her with a warm glow, but her attention snagged on two people stood at the stone rail, staring down at their approach. And Kiana ducked back once more, her courage faltering. She couldn't help it. She wanted to see them, but she didn't want them to see her. She felt so rough, so pathetic. It wasn't the moment yet. She needed to be ready. It was then that the carriage rocked to a halt, and Gwyneth didn't hesitate to climb out, letting in a waft of frozen air. The people above were distracted, and Kiana took advantage to study them. They were almost identical. Their skin was dark brown, and they were tall and long-limbed. One kept her natural hair loose, and it sprung from beneath her winter hood. The other's head was shaved, and a black eye patch covered her left eye. Kiana assumed her because they were twins, but she wasn't sure. One smiled, the other, with the eye patch, looked much less infused. Come, let us get inside. Kiana started. Gwyneth was waiting at the door, stiff backed and unblinking as ever. The twins stared directly at her now, and Kiana's heart pounded. They'd been in the carriage for such a long time, it was so cold and she'd only just woken. It was one thing to sit up with help, to shimmy backwards and forwards on a bench, but to stand? To stand and look like a normal, capable person? Kiana couldn't do that, but she also couldn't explain. And now she had an audience, and she didn't want their first impression of her to be that she was a burden. She was so tired of being a burden. And so she acted without thinking which was more of a Tannis thing to do in truth. The difference? Kiana didn't have magical blood to help her mask her failings. She stood, too quickly. Her knees locked, her joints grinding. She dropped the blankets, but her body flushed with heat. Tannis moved towards her, and Kiana knew an offer of help was coming, but she ignored it, resisted it. Not this time. She'd get out of the damn carriage by herself. Gripping the sides of the door, she used protesting arms to heave herself forward. Her legs wouldn't bend far enough, and Kiana fell. She hit the icy cobbles, the sheet of fresh snow too thin to break her fall, and her knees folded beneath her. They slammed shut, only bending fully now they were forced. The pain jolted up her spine. Stunned, Kiana didn't move. Her exposed woolen tights soaked up the slush beneath her, the cold creeping through to her skin. She heard Tanis swear just as the shock subsided and the full force of the pain struck. Then, Kiana heard nothing at all. Squeezing her eyes shut against tears, she wished to melt along with the snow. Arms slipped beneath her, pulling her up. The touch was gentle, but the movement agony, and Kiana bit down on her tongue to stop a scream. There was nothing she could do with the pain except hide it. She could pretend it wasn't happening, and beat it that way. Are you injured? The soft voice wasn't Tannis's. It wasn't even a Chris Nosty accent. Kiana blinked until her vision swam into focus. The twin with the eye patch and the shaved head stared down at her brow drawn and lips downturned, 
their eye was fixed on Kiana's face. Tanis knelt at her other side, scowling. The twins' frown deepened, as cold as the snow seeping into Kiana's clothes. Can you climb the stairs? Yes, said Kiana. No, said Tanis. The twin met Tanis's hard stare for a long moment, expression unmoving, until Tanis sighed and nodded. Be careful. One arm tightened around Kiana's shoulders, the other gripped her waist. Kiana braced herself, and together they lifted. Kiana cried out. She couldn't pretend. Her left knee was on fire, and there was Gwyneth on the stairs and their driver hovering awkwardly. Were the girl and her dog watching too? The women with their buckets? Are you not the windwalker? The words spoken so brazenly were enough to break through Kiana's pain. With a gasp, she looked up to find the other twin, still standing above them at the stone rail. Her face was split by an odd smile, one eyebrow cocked. Can you not summon a breeze to carry her? Tanis sucked in a sharp breath. And Kiana understood. They were out in the open where all could hear. A lifetime of hiding meant Tanis was coiled to fight or run. But Kiana could do neither. So, once again, her sister was trapped. It was pain of another sort, and it was too much. All she wanted was to get away from prying eyes, from waiting questions. Somewhere warm, somewhere she could rest. The townhouse, with Nan. Please, she whispered, trying to take a step forward. Her left knee gave way, and her head spun. Kiana, you... Tanis, don't... She knew what her sister was about to say. You can't. And maybe it was unfair to snap. Maybe it wasn't right. But it was all she could do to hold herself together. Why couldn't she just have one day? One day without pain, where her body worked and these people saw what she was, instead of what she wasn't. I am sorry if I cause you pain, said the first twin, close to Kiana's ear. She didn't have time to respond. The twin's free arm slipped behind her knees and in one fluid motion, Kiana was scooped into the air. She groaned, wrapping her arms tight around the twin's neck. It hurt, but she was off her feet, and the relief was enough to cancel out the fresh pain. Tanis muttered something, lingering close, but Kiana didn't hear. She was entirely distracted by the twin that held her. She was so distracted, she was able to worry about her fatness as well as her pain. But if her weight was an issue, the twin gave no sign. They said nothing as they carried Kiana past the curious onlookers, and up the stairs with ease, across the threshold and into the warmth of the entrance hall. Kiana waited for the moment they'd falter, unable to continue, but that moment never came. Strong and steady, the twin walked without hindrance. Kiana saw nothing of the corridors they passed through. She stared instead at sharp cheekbones, smooth skin, and the scuffed eye patch she felt immediately fond of. Humiliated and in pain, conscious of her size, Kiana remembered her manners. In that moment, they were all she had. Thank you, she whispered. The twins' jaw clenched, 
their grip tightened, but they said nothing. Just a kindness, then. Nothing more. Kiana would at least be grateful for that, even knowing that her first steps outside of Celestia had done nothing but prove her sister right. 